Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right, well, good to see you guys. We are, uh, we are in, I believe, week two of a, a, a preaching and teaching series, and we're following the path that uh, Rooted is taking uh, here at Thrive. And so every week we're going to be teaching on the same topic that those of you that are doing Rooted are going to be studying. And so uh, we're going to have fun with this. And what won't happen is, is you won't hear a repeat. We're going to preach on the topic, but we're not going to regurgitate to you what you're going to be dealing with um, uh, together in your Rooted classes. So, uh, so I'm excited today to be talking about hearing God's voice. This is like so fun and so exciting. It's something that we as a church want so deeply uh, activated in our lives. And I wanted to begin by showing you a picture up here. I think we have it. Do you know who those two are? Okay. Do you know which one is which? Okay. 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 I, I have to say though that like 40 Five years ago, you probably would not have been able to tell because they're virtually indistinguishable as babies and toddlers. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that I like about being married to a twin, and I'm assuming Evans, uh, likes it as well, is that we always get the same question from people being as, you know, people that are married to identical twins. It's always the same question. Do you guys know what, what it is? That's right. Do you ever confuse one twin for the other, right? And the answer is less so now. Less so, right? It's not perfect, but we do that less than we used to. And, um, and still honestly today, occasionally, like if we're all in the kitchen together and Molly and Mary, uh, are moving around, especially if they have the same hair, like, you know, if they're up in a ponytail, whatever it is, if they have the same hair that day, Sometimes I just have to look for like two seconds. You're my wife, right? Right. Just got to take an extra second to to look to make sure that I've got the right one. And our kids, when our kids were really really young, occasionally all six of the of the cousins would, at one point or another, they would come to decide that this woman is my mother. And she was not the mother of this child, but they could not be convinced of it. And so occasionally, Molly would just have to hold on to little Lukey, and Lukey would not let go, and Mary was just over here going, okay, it's, you're up, you know, it's like, it's your job, right? Um, and so, but what was really, really tricky, especially early on for Molly and me, uh, or at least for me, was their voices, So when I would, like, sometimes, you know, when we were really, uh, you know, much younger, uh, in our marriage and stuff like that, I would call Molly and, um, and for whatever reason, you know, she would obviously spend a lot of time with Mary. I would call Molly and Mary would pick up the phone or something. And literally I could talk for two or three minutes and not know who it was that I was talking to. It is so hard to distinguish their voices, right? And so I was thinking about that in terms of, the voice of God. And sometimes, do you guys, you guys are probably, uh, you probably resonate with this, don't you? That sometimes it's hard to tune in to know the voice in your head that you're listening to. And I know that we all want to hear God's voice. We want to know clearly the voice of God in our lives, but sometimes it's 
tougher than it seems like, right? That little voice in our heads. Do you ever kind of go, is that God? Have you done that or is it just me, right? Okay, good. You're nodding. And so, but Jesus said this. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep, that's you and me, we're sheep. My sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me. And you see, we were meant, we were created to know the voice of Jesus. But I think we can all admit that it's a little bit difficult at times to discern his voice. And I know that some of you guys have actually reported to me that you were having a hard time understanding or discerning whether the voice that you were hearing and the thoughts that you were thinking, were they from God or were they from, from you or were they coming from somewhere else, which can be frustrating, can be challenging because like sometimes we want direction. Sometimes we want to know what is it that we're supposed to do. Sometimes we want wisdom from God. It's like we have, we, we refine with earthly wisdom, but sometimes we want to hear from God and all we can hear is crickets or all we can hear is some message that seems so much to be just like our own voice. And so the good news is, is that if you have ever felt that way, you are most certainly not alone. But the great news is, is that you and I were created for and able to hear the voice of God because you and I were made in his image, made to interact with him. And, and secondly, we've been given this special equipment, like an antenna or a receiver or something that enables us to hear God's voice. You guys know that? You've got the equipment already in you. John 16, uh, verse 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. This is one of the reasons why we need the spirit of God activated so much in our lives. We need the spirit moving in us. We need to be in tune and in touch with the spirit because the spirit is the only truly trustworthy guide for any of us, right? He's more trustworthy than I am. He's even more trustworthy than Molly is in speaking into your life, right? We need the spirit because the spirit speaks what is true. He speaks the words of God. And so I want to tell us this morning as a starter that none of you can actually say, I can't hear God's voice. You cannot say that. You have everything that you need to understand what God is saying. You have everything that you need to discern him, right? And by the way, do you know what the difference is between Molly's voice and Mary's voice? Because I know the difference. I do. Molly's voice is a little bit lower and it's a little bit rougher. It's a little bit more gravelly and Mary's voice is a little bit higher. And it's a little bit more clear. And I knew that, I know that for, from years of tuning in and listening to them. I know the difference. And in the same way that I can tell the difference, the subtle difference between their voices over time, as we lean into this, as we tune into the voice of God, you will become better at hearing God's voice and discerning his voice and knowing when God is speaking to you. This is something that I want all of us to grow in as a church. And so the way that I always sort of think about it, because I'm becoming an old guy, I actually filled in one of like some sort of a questionnaire. And I, this is the, this is when I feel really old. This is totally off topic, but I feel super old when it says like, are you 18 to 24, 24 to 30? I'm always like the farthest on the right. I'm like, I don't want to be way over here. I want to be in the middle or the beginning of this thing. But at any rate, one of the ways that I, th- that's so not, can we edit that out? Um, but the way that I think of hearing God's voice, can I have the picture of the car radios? 
Uh, you may have only seen this in pictures, but back in the day, uh, car radios had these things called knobs, right? And these knobs, you would turn these knobs with your hand. It wouldn't push. You would turn these knobs and you would be listening to get clarity and you would eventually get it to the point where you would tune into that radio station and you would be able to hear with crystal clarity what was coming through the radio, right? And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up some tools about how to tune into God's voice. And I know that, like I said, many of you guys are going to be digging into this more deeply and rooted, but this is going to prime the pump for you guys, okay? And so what are some things that we need to do to become really adept at hearing God's voice clearly? Well, first of all, I want to tell us that we need the Bible. That's the first thing. We need the Bible. The Bible is our foundation and it's our step one. We cannot know the voice of God unless we know the word of God, the scripture, really, really well, right? Because God's voice is most portrayed, most clearly portrayed, and most thoroughly portrayed through the scripture. Plain and simple. That's our foundation. It's only from scripture that we can accurately discern God's will, that we can accurately discern his character and his voice. But I want to say, because I know that most of you know this, I want to say to us that how we handle that scripture actually really Matters. And I want to give you probably the most powerful and important verse uh, in the entire Bible when it comes to interpreting scripture. And it's Psalm chapter 19, verse 160. Psalm chapter 119, verse 160. And it says this. David writes this. He said, the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures, endures forever. The sum of your word. In the Berean Study Bible, he, said, he puts it this way. The entirety of your word is truth, and your righteous judgments endure forever. And what this is saying is that if you want to know the truth, if you want to know what is true, if you want to know what God, who God is, and who you are, and what he's speaking, and what he is doing, then we need to take not just some scripture into account, but the sum of scripture. We need to know all of what God, of what the scripture says about what, and about what God is saying. Because too often, when we're trying to figure out what God is saying, we will lift verses out of scripture and we take them out of context. And that can lead us down a really, really bad path. And my old Bible teacher would always say, all meaning, referring to scripture, all meaning is context dependent. All meaning is context dependent. And if we're trying to understand the heart of God, if we're trying to understand who we are in Christ, if we're trying to understand some direction that he's pointing us into, then we need to immerse ourselves in the scripture so that we can know fully what it is that God is calling us to. Because if we lift stuff out of scripture, we will probably mess it up. And this is particularly important because Satan actually knows scripture better than we do. Satan is a deceiver and he's so crafty and he's so good with the word of God. Uh, as a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, he'll come to us and it'll look really right and it'll sound really right, but he's the deceiver and he's deceiving us. And we see this happening uh, in the beginning of Jesus's ministry in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was led out to the desert and at the end of, the, of his 40 days in the desert, the devil came to tempt him, right? And how did the devil tempt him? He tempted him actually with scripture. And so it says this, uh, the devil took him to the holy city, to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off of this high place that they were at. For the scriptures say, here he is, accurately quoting scripture. 
He will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up in their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. That's what Satan says to Jesus, accurately quoting scripture. And Jesus replied, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And so Satan is quoting Psalm 91 verse 11, but he's taking out of context and he's using it to manipulate Jesus and Jesus counters this misuse of scripture by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16 and he says, don't test God. And so I just want to say to us that if you ever hear something in your head, if you ever hear something in your heart that you know comes from the Bible, but uh, but it makes you feel condemned, if it makes you feel far from God, if it makes you feel unclean or unholy or unworthy, something like that, then you are probably uh, being manipulated by the enemy, and the enemy is actually using Scripture to condemn you, right? And so what we need to do is we need to take the full account of Scripture, and we need to think about, okay, what is the, f- the sum of Scripture saying? So if you're feeling condemned by something, even something that you've read in Scripture, Romans chapter 8 says, Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? And so we need to look at the entire context. And so no matter how long you've been a Christian, but especially if you're newer to faith, it's important that we couch all of what what, what we hear. And I'm I'm calling what we hear God's speaking voice, okay? So I'm just going to refer to it as his speaking voice. If what we hear through God's speaking voice seems to be out of context of the sum of Scripture, then uh, we need to go back to the Word so that we can know fully what he's saying, right? And so what I want us to do is I want us to know what God generally speaks through the Bible uh, and throughout scripture, because then we can really know what he's speaking. So that's the first thing. But the second thing that I want to challenge us to do, and this is where things start to heat up for me, this is where I get a little bit more excited, is I want to, I want to talk about how we can follow God's promptings, okay, his promptings. And when I, when I say that, what I mean is, is how can we as a people begin to hear those little Thoughts that God drops into our mind that are meant to encourage us or to direct us or to set us on a path or to use us for something that he wants to use us for, right? How can we learn about that inner voice, that whisper of God that is dropped into our heads? This is kind of like our next level. This is the place where I want us all to get to. And the truth is, is that if we want to, if any of you guys want to hear the speaking voice of God in your life, then the first thing that we all must do is we must expect and believe that God speaks. We have to live a life of expectancy and a life of belief that God is actively speaking right now. And if he's anything like my dad, my dad is never short on advice. He's never short on direction. My dad is not particularly dynamic, but he's always speaking to me, right? And God is more loving than Jim. He's more dynamic than Jim. He's more invested in me than Jim Kiefer is. And he's more invested in you than your own fathers are. And so God is speaking. He has something to say to you. And we need to cultivate that expectation that God has something to say almost at every moment, right? And of course, over and over again, we see this portrayed in scripture. We see God being dynamic and being active and speaking into our lives. And so let's just say, for example, that, uh, let's say, for example, that you're, you're talking to your neighbor and they're sharing something about their life with you and a thought pops into your head. And let's say that thought is something simple like, you should pray for them. You should pray for them right now, right? 
Well, if that thought pops into your head, the question is, is, well, how do I know that that's God, right? How do I know that it's not just me thinking? Well, step one is, is, is this thing, this thought that just popped in my head, is it biblical? Well, is pray for this guy, is that a biblical thought? Yeah, okay, so it's biblical, so that's a good thing. We just got over a major hurdle right there. Uh, but secondly, um, if we step into this thing, how much is it going to cost us? Right. If we stepped into this little prompt to pray for this person. Now, if if the little thought in your head is I want you to move to Darfur, quit your job and uh, I want you to live there as a hermit somewhere. That's going to require a little bit more fact checking. Right. We got to vet that and talk, talk to some people. But when there's a low level of commitment and if it's a biblical thing, what I want to encourage us to do with these small stakes is I want to encourage you to start obeying those promptings, to just start stepping out. If it's a good thing and it's a biblical thing and it's a small thing, then why would we say no to it? Why would we not test it out to see whether or not this could be God. And by the way, one of the ways to know whether or not God is speaking is by the fruit of something, right? And so if you're wondering, I don't know if that's God or not, but I'm just going to step into it. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to try to pray for this person right now. Um, once you do, if you want to start discerning whether or not God is moving or whether or not God is speaking, then do the thing that he prompted you to do and then test it out. See how it panned out for you, right? So, um, if you prayed for that person and they got super, super offended by you and it was super confusing to them, that may not have been God. But if you prayed for them and they looked at you and they're like, thank you, that was really helpful, I feel encouraged, then that might actually be God. So look at the fruit, right? In Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus said, make a, a tree good and his fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad because a tree is recognized by its fruit, right? And so if you're, if you feel led to share something prophetically, you feel like God is giving you just a little message of encouragement or hope or help or even direction with someone, if you feel God prompting you to do that and you feel like the message is in line with the sum of scripture and you share that with the person, then after you share it, just kind of do a little, a little check. Did it seem to bring life? Did it seem to bring encouragement to them? Or were they completely wigged out by it? Did it, did your message completely miss where they were at? That's one way to discern whether or not what you're hearing is actually accurate. Another way to discern whether or not what you're hearing is accurate is just by your own heart, right? And so if you step out in obedience, if you step out in faith, let's say, for example, uh, God prompted you to give $20 to some person, like the checkout person at Jewel or whatever it is. So like, I don't know if that's you, God. It just seems like a voice in my head, but I'm going to do it. After you've done that thing, when you start looking for fruit, how did you feel about it? Did you feel encouraged? Did it make you feel excited? Did it make you feel closer to God? Did it make you feel like God used you in some good way today? If there's good fruit in your heart, that's a good statement. That's a good way of knowing whether or not you were actually hearing from God. Does that make sense to you guys? So what we're going to discover is that the best and most powerful way to determine whether or not we're hearing from God, it's actually audience participation. We actually have to step into something. And that's actually the crux of what I want to share with you guys today. Okay. I want us to be aware that there is something so crucial um, that I think that most of us in the church are missing. And it's this, our, our growth 
and our maturity regarding the hearing the voice of God depends almost entirely on this one key factor. And sadly, I believe that most all of the church, including thrivers, I think that most of us are missing it to a really, really large degree. I hate to say it, but it's true. Uh, and it's true in my own life many, many times, very often. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie um, Weekend at Bernie's? Have you ever, do you know about this movie? So I know all the like under 30 is like, nope, never heard of it. Uh, so Weekend at Bernie's, here it is. Like, so the premise is, is that these two young guys, uh, their boss is kind of a crap guy, but the boss invites these two young guys to his vacation home and uh, and the boss dies during the course of the weekend and, and like sort of comically there these two young guys lives are linked to this boss still being alive but because the boss died their lives were in danger and so what these guys had to do is they had to prop up their boss to make it look like the boss was still alive right that's the whole premise lots of gags lots of you know like propping him up and putting drinks in his hand and things like that right uh, so that's the premise of Weekend at Bernie's. And I believe, you guys, that for many of us in the church, we have been treating Jesus like it's a weekend at Bernie's and Jesus is Bernie. I believe that much of the church has treated Jesus like he has been dead for 19 centuries. And here's why. We have a theology of his active voice in our lives, but we have very little practice of it. We have a theology of the active voice in Jesus's life, but in practice, in reality, come tomorrow morning at this time, we have very little practice of it in the church. And so often we in the church, we ask this question, this super famous question, you know, of the late nineties, what would Jesus do? And that is our guiding question, right? It's a popular saying among us evangelicals, but the church today, we have to go beyond asking the question, what would Jesus do? Because it assumes, listen to this, that he's no longer speaking. That's what that question assumes. We need to quit asking what Jesus would do every time. Because when we do that, we slam the door in his face and we say to him, I'm not asking you a question. I'm asking me a question. I'm not talking to you, Jesus. I'm talking to me. And when we do that, we treat Jesus like he was dead, like he's burning. And he becomes only an example to us instead of a living presence in our lives. And again, if there's some here that are newer to faith and you don't know the character of Jesus, then yes, begin with the Bible. Look for what Jesus would do through the scriptures. But most of us in this room already know the, uh, the Jesus of the Bible. We know what the scripture would say. And so the next step in our development is to begin to know what is he doing today? What is he speaking today, right now in this moment? And I believe that so many, like millions of believers have been lured into a dead faith by making Jesus nothing more than an example to us, rather than an engaged, present, dynamic, life-giving lover and friend of ours. Are you guys okay back there? (laughs) Anybody? Are you playing catch? Just kidding, just kidding. And so rather than asking you guys, what would Jesus do? The question I want you to ask is, what is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing? And to be honest with you, that is that question and that way of doing life, that is the basis for our entire walk with God. That's what it's actually supposed to be like. Uh, in John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, 
The son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. This is the model for a Christian walk for all of us. And we in the church, we need to step into, we need to grow into becoming a people where we are moment by moment asking the question, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now, God? What are you doing right now, Jesus? What are you doing right now, Holy Spirit? And here's the other key. And this may be like, I think I'm like crescendoing. This may be the most important thing that I'll say today. We will not really know what he is doing and what he is saying until we do this one critical thing. And the critical thing is this. If you want to know the voice of God in your life, you have to obey. If you want to know the voice of God in your life, we must obey. We need to step into what he is speaking. And it's only when we begin to regularly obey him that we will truly learn his voice in our lives, right? Um, and again, we've, we, we started with the scripture that you've heard a million times. My sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so how do we learn the voice of God? We follow him. We follow Jesus, right? Um, I'll give you just a one simple example of this. I could give you thousands of them, but one simple example of this is in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It's with Philip, and it says this. Uh, this is the birth of the church, and it says, But an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that runs from Jerusalem down to Gaza. This is the desert road, in verse 27. So he got up and went. The angel of the Lord said, Get up and go. And so Philip did what? Got up and went. That's the model for us, you guys. But too many of us have routinely practiced ignoring the living voice of God. We still live by his example. What would Jesus do? But we've quit following the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He prompts, he invites, he commands, he exhorts. And we, the church, ignore. That's what happens too often. Jesus saw this even in his day in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He said, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. And that question from Jesus ought to make every earnest follower of his squirm in our seats. That should challenge every one of us. Why do we not listen to the voice of Jesus more than we do? And I just wonder, you guys, if it could be because deep down, we really don't want a voice Telling us what to do, a voice that competes with our own voices that always tell us whatever it is that we want to hear. There's a voice in us where all of our promises are yes and amen, where everything that we want is always a green light go. This sounds like a great idea, right? So, uh, in, in us, if we're, you know, if we're feeling some sort of a prompting on some Tuesday night or Thursday night, and it says, hey, I think you should go over to Rangrove and help out the team and serve the, the poor in your community. And so you check the voice and you're like, well, uh, is that you, God? What should I do? And some voice in your head says, you know, you've really had a hard day at work today and you're pretty tired. I think you should stay home. And you're like, yes, that's it. Let's do it. I don't have to go, right? Uh, maybe there's like uh, an encounter with uh, a coworker and they're feeling sick and, and you get this thought in your mind, I wonder if I should pray for them. And so you check, should I pray with, with them right now? And the voice says, well, that would be a little bit embarrassing. You're right, forget it, I'm not doing it. I'll pray for them later. Yeah. Uh, if you're in, if you're a married person and, uh, your spouse has once again offended you greatly and they're completely at fault 
and you want to vent everything that you have going on inside. You want to vent your rage at them and to say, should I, should I say something? Should I just like go after them? And the little voice says, just this once. You could do that, right? It's not healthy for you to bottle all that stuff up, right? It's hard to have a voice that competes with the voice in our head that always points us in the direction that we already want to go. But maybe, you guys, maybe it's time that we confronted those deep feelings that we have about whose voice we're going to follow in our lives. Because many of us, we live out of the, out of the belief that if we follow God's voice, that he's going to challenge us and he's going to take us to someplace that we don't want to go. And to be honest, sometimes that actually might happen. But in my experience, when I have followed the voice of God in my life, he takes me on an adventure that exhilarates me. He leads me to do things and to say things that I end up going, that was so awesome. That was so cool. I'm so glad that I stepped out in that, that, that obedience That's more often what God will do. And for any of us that want to have a living, breathing, active voice of God in our lives, for any of us who want to see fruitfulness in our lives and power released into our lives, then the process is simple. We have to retrain ourselves to ask different questions throughout the course of the day. And instead of treating Jesus as a dead model, instead of propping Jesus up with some sunglasses and a fruity drink, we need to begin to ask What are you doing right now, Jesus? What are you saying right now? What would you have me to do in this moment? And then, once we've asked the question at step one, how many of us would be willing to say, yes, I'll do that thing right now, right? Jesus' little brother James said, be doers of the word, and not just hearers only. Be doers of the word. How, How amazing, how much revival, how much stuff would change in the world if all of the followers of Jesus actually followed. If all of us became doers of the word. And there's this promise. Jesus promised us uh, just this amazing thing at the end of uh, Matthew chapter 25. He said this. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Let me say it again. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have in abundance, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. In other words, for any of us that would go on this adventure of obeying the living voice of God, even more of his voice will be given to you. That is amazing and that is awesome. But for those of us who routinely ignore the living voice of God in our lives we will just stop hearing that voice and we will only hear the echo chamber of our own voices. And so my question is, what do you want? What do you want for yourself? What kind of follower do you want to be? What kind of Christian do you want to be? Do you want to prop Jesus up in the chair of your life and dress him up and speak for him? Or do you want the living, breathing, dynamic heart of Jesus made manifest in you and through you. Is there anybody here that would like to go on this adventure of hearing God's voice activated and working through your life? Is there anybody here that would do that? Yeah? I want this for all of us. I want this for myself. And so uh, this week, 
um, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that I know that lots of you are in smaller gathering dynamics here at Thrive. Lots of you are in rooted groups. Some of you are in other groups. But it's my desire that this wouldn't just be a, a me thing, like it's just you. It's my hope that you would make this a we thing, that you would talk to people and you would say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to follow this voice. I'm going to set myself to asking what is God up to in this moment? I'm going to set myself to going on the adventure of obeying him. And would you pray for me? And would you cheer me on? And could we do this together? And could we compare notes and talk about how it was awesome and talk about how it completely flopped and everything in between? Let's do this together, church. Ask someone to be your cheerleader. Ask someone to be your accountability partner, whatever it is that you need. But this is the place that we have to go. This is the place that we're called to, to be because we are not going to be a dead church, are we? We're not going to do that. We're going to be a church that is going after everything that God is and everything that he has for us. Why don't we stand up? Um, my guess is, is that that lots of us will have to, or, or at least are invited to do now what I've been doing all week, which is repenting, right? Um, repenting is, is returning to truth. It's giving ourselves back to what we're called to be and who we're called to be. If you are anything like me, you may have been treating Jesus like Bernie for a while. And so there is no better time than right now in this moment to return to the living God, the God that speaks and the God that loves and the God that directs. And so why don't we, uh, for the next couple of minutes, why don't we just close our eyes and give our hearts and our lives back to him. And and, and maybe you want to just say some things to him. Maybe you want to make some commitments to him, but I'm just going to give you space to just listen and, and really to, to talk back to Jesus, to talk back to the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. feel Jesus just asking that question again. Who do you want to be? What kind of relationship with me do you want to have? I just feel like this is like a it's a call back for all of us. It's a call to return to him. Um, but for a moment, if there are any uh, here in the room and you have been far from God, if there are any here and you've felt far or you've never really had um, this connection with him, this relationship with him where he has truly been Lord to you, this is, this is the moment this is the moment to begin that kind of a relationship. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have called you by name. 
We are called by God. Lord, we give ourselves to you. And we say, you sit on the throne. You are the one that directs. You are the one that guides, Lord.